there, Grammy Award winner Tim O'Brien and his wife Jan Fabricius are joining me today on an episode of the What's Up podcast. Tim and Jan will play at ACC Live for the season opener on September 16th. The duo has performed together since 2015 and share an intimate and warm acoustic set of traditional songs and original favorites from O'Brien's considerable catalog that dates back to his days as co-founder of Colorado's Hot Rise. Since 1978, O'Brien has been touring the world and making music. During the 90s, he wrote songs that were recorded by the likes of Kathy Matea, Garth Brooks, and The Chicks. He has also collaborated with Daryl Scott, Dirk Powell, and Sturgill Simpson. Jan grew up in Waukini, Kansas, and has been singing from an early age. She joined Tim, like I said, in 2015 after working as a registered nurse and a mother of two. She kept her hand in local music through jams and regional bluegrass, eventually hooking up with Tim later on in life. Now the two tour the world and make music from their home in Nashville. Thank you both for joining me today. My first question for you, uh, Tim, is that I read on your webpage that you saw Doc Watson on TV and then you became a lifelong devotee of old time and bluegrass music. So I was just wanted to ask, what was it about Doc Watson's performances and songwritings um, that still resonates with you? Well, he was uh, in that performance, he was just by himself and he had a harmonica rack, you know, like playing the harmonica and the guitar at the same time. And uh, he played such great guitar and played the harmonica and it was like the whole package is there. And I knew I liked that kind of music. You know, I was kind of aware of a little bit of bluegrass stuff and country stuff and kind of was getting into that. And, and uh, I saw that and I said, man, that's the center of it for me. That was the thing, like the way he plays it and sings it, it's very engaging. It's uh, beautifully played I and mean, it's really well ordered uh friendly though it's like some of the bluegrass stuff was a little hard to sort of get inside the shell uh at the beginning and he helped me his music helped me find my way into that okay all right and jan um i was wondering what for you or who was that for you who inspired you in your early days when you first started listening to music hmm well you know, ZZ Top. <laughs> well, Pure Perry League and Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and uh, are some of the early, <laughs> the early kind of bluegrass uh, that I listened to. I was trying to think of who Ozark Mountain Daredevils. I mean, that kind of ages <laughs> me. But and then I then you know I got into John Prine and Guy Clark and all that. But I you know my oldest sister. She played the mandolin and played, she was she's like a, quite a bit older than me, so she was already in college and playing bluegrass and uh, so I kind of picked up on a lot of that from my older siblings too. So okay. uh, and yeah. So how did the two of you start working together? Um, I know you you joined um, Tim on the road in 2015. Um, but you weren't uh, working as a musician at the time. You were a registered nurse, correct? 
Well, I, yeah, I, when I moved in with Tim, I, I was planning to get into a, another nursing position, but we had some travel plans and then one thing led to another and I started tour managing for him because his tour manager moved away and, and we just, I just started picking up, helping him. And, uh, then I started singing with him. Uh, basically, at first, I just was mostly on stage singing. I've played mandolin for a long time, but I just, you know, he didn't. He played the mandolin. He didn't need me then. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of gradual in that way. But yeah, now we both. I mean, we're just kind of do this whole. We have the record company, and we work together and. One thing that started happening was uh, we started a, a project where we would put out uh, digital releases of single songs. Um, we called it Short Order Sessions. And for about two years, we did one every month, I think. Yeah. And um, so one, and it was the idea was we could just have people come over to the house and just record a little bit and just something random. Uh, and wasn't it about making a whole project and making artwork and all this stuff was just like real kind of low key. So <clears throat> a couple of guys were over here, Sam Grisman and uh, Nat Smith, they're playing cello and bass. And I wanted to record this song of uh, uh, Michael Hurley called Diddy Boy Twang or no. And then we did two lives on the two table. Two on the table. Oh, it's uh, no, it's not his yeah. song. It's uh, Dan Reeder. We did Diddy Boy Twang, but we also did the Dan Reader song, Two Lips on the Table. Yeah. And we started singing, I started singing that, and then Jan was like kind of walking around watching us and uh, while we were rehearsing. And maybe while the tape was running, I'm not sure. I think we, we were just rehearsing. Just rehearsing, but I had the microphone up and she started singing. I said, <laughs> I just kind of grabbed her and said, come on, sing. <laughs> so she just, that was the first recording. Yeah. Was, and you know, uh, that's, uh, it's kind of uh, natural, it's like kids, grow up together and sing together like couples can do that like i'll be learning a song or writing a song and jan will sort of sort of hear it and then she'll start singing along and so sometimes she's right there at the inception of a new song and i'll be contribute to it we started writing songs now yeah, together now we're songs so it just started together. very gradually okay if i wouldn't have had a nursing career i might have been more in 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 the music business yeah, maybe. i might have met you on stage anyway. <laughs> well we met at a music yeah. festival so i was just about to ask how the two of you met <laughs> so we was met that a... we met at winfield at the walnut valley bluegrass festival in kansas so okay. back at, we met in 93 although we weren't together we just that's <clears> when <throat> we first met and i had been listening to hot rise and tim already mm -hmm. uh, New Grass Revival, all of those early bands that also influenced me. And then around the house, Tim and I play a lot of fiddle tunes and stuff. That's mostly what I was, uh, you know, I was just mostly playing fiddle tunes and kind of self-taught, although I did have some lessons, but <laughs> anyway. I imagine, I imagine it's kind of hard to keep up with music lessons if you're working as a registered nurse and raising children. It's Yes, that, that that's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, we I did it like if on weekends or if there was a jam going on or whatever, just but not professionally at all. Just for fun. So with that, the 
when you met um, in Kansas, were were you playing in that festival or were you just a fan? Or maybe Tim, both? Tim was playing. I was camping. I camped at that festival like 40, I think I've done 46 years. But <laughs> I started in 76. Okay. And I was 18. And uh, so, so, yeah, I was a fan. Now, that year we met, Tim and his sister Molly were playing there at the festival. And then we were, I was walking with my friends and we came upon them jamming in the campgrounds with Ranch Romance. And so we, they were playing a few songs and they, it was very enjoyable. And uh, they quit and I said, I asked him not to put his mandolin away. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, we just showed up and then they were almost done with the, their little jam. But anyway, that's, that's how we met. And, uh, you know, then it, uh, we were both, I mean, I wasn't married. He was married. You know, we would see each other at festivals and acknowledge one another. So it would, uh, it just, be, she became a familiar face to me. Yeah. I used to call her, uh, out in Colorado at Rocky Grass, she was Jansus. She was Jan from Kansas. <laughs> but it, when he got divorced in 2011, then he called me and said he wanted to get to know me better. And that's, uh, that's how we got, ended up dating and eventually me moving here. Okay. All right. So um, you've just uh, released an album this past June called Cup of Sugar. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that album and how it came to be? Was this something that you worked on together at the house? Yeah, we, uh, you know, I was writing songs and then I kind of start, I get a bunch of songs and then I go, I look at the pile and I go, what does it need to make a record? Or do I have something that's good for a recording? <clears throat> and I might <coughs> write some more stuff with that in mind or I might find older things. In any case, it was... Nearly time. all those songs had recently been written, though. Yeah, they were almost all, almost all, all songs, songs from a year, a year and a half before the release date, or a year yeah. before recording. And um, it so... It kind of fell out. I mean, you were really productive with the songwriting. Yeah, it was coming, coming along pretty good. So we... Uh, the question was how to how to record each song and... I ended up, I tried some stuff. Uh, we had a Christmas release, uh, uh, Old, Old Christmas, Old Christmas what came out in December, I think. And I was going to record that in time to get that out. And I had some of these songs and I thought, well, we'll start the project. And I recorded them with the same, with a band with drums and steel guitar and stuff. And uh, we used two of those songs. Uh, what were they? Uh, the Walter Cronkite won um, The Anchor and uh, I forget which other one. Uh, Stuck in the Middle. Those ended up on the record. A couple others were sort of, I didn't feel like they were right. So we recorded, we had tried a couple songs, other songs that day. And then uh, a m month or so later, we went to a different studio and started in earnest with it. And it's just a combination of the regular guys we play with, which is Mike Bubb on the bass and uh, Shad Cobb on fiddle, and who's that other guy? Corey, Corey Walker Corey did plays the banjo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we recorded some stuff with them, and some without Corey, some without Shad, and added a keyboard and uh, 
drums and different right. things. And then um, there's one song, one or two songs with uh, with Dennis Crouch on the bass, and but two different drummers, I guess. Yeah, Del <laughs> McCurry came oh, yeah. in for one song. Yeah, and then we yeah we got Del McCurry great. roped into <laughs> suicide. Oh. <laughs> now, that was a highlight for me. Is singing harmony on the horses song yeah. with Del McCurry live in the studio. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to play mandolin. I played mandolin on uh, the anchor, and I wanted to play mandolin on that track because it was a traditional bluegrass kind of thing. And uh, so I was trying to get guitar players, and I called up a couple people, and they couldn't make it. And I cut. You know, I wonder if Del would do it. And uh, and I asked his son Ronnie to, you know, check it out. And um, he kind of, you know, took a couple, three days. And I said, yeah, he says he'll do it. <laughs> so, you know, we've been friends for a long time. But, you know, he's, uh, what is he, 80, I, 79 years old. 80? I, I don't, I think he, we did an 80 on he's video 80, for him several years ago. He's over 80 years old. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, maybe he's 85, isn't he? Maybe. I look. Here. Anyway, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, uh, a favor to us that he gave, you know, a, a real nice gift that he would consent to do it. Right. Not only because he's a big star, but also because, you know, he doesn't need to be distracted with the basics of life. He's 84. 84. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, he loves playing music, though. He's really yeah. happy. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he had it pretty much when he showed up, but we tightened a few things up and what he played and sang is kind of the take. It, well, he did it all at once. It wasn't like we had yeah. to do it over and over again. No, he he added a lot. That was a lot of fun. But his rhythm guitar playing is so strong, and it, it's all just it's just sort of we started playing it and went, wow, this is like everything kind of lifts up. Okay. When you get something really good like that. Um, and then tell me about the song, the title track, "Cup of Sugar." Um, I've noticed that there it echoes something that I hear a lot in folk music, which is this need to reconnect with the people who are closest to us. And I'm wondering if that was kind of your idea when you sat down to write that song, and if you wanted to say anything else about it. <clears throat> well, uh, some couple friends were of mine had been, had, had a long argument that would sort of die down and smolder and up again and then flame up and they were, it flamed up and one of them asked me if I could intervene, and I thought, no, I don't think I want to do that, but can't we just be friends? Uh, I didn't want to get in the middle of, the, of an argument. Let bygones be and, uh, I just thought, you know, you. I, the next day I had a songwriting appointment with Jonathan Bird, who had written the song with before, great writer. And uh, I said, let's write about neighbors and how it's nice to, you know, you got to know your neighbor and respect your neighbor but also let your neighbor be, and uh, they can, then they'll let you be. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it ended up with the title Cup of Sugar, kind of found a way into it. And you know, the, the fence, you know, somebody, sometimes you can't resolve everything, and but you can let it be. Yeah. You can agree to disagree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good metaphor for boundaries, you know, just, yeah. you know, the, those of us who are speaking that Brene Brown language over here. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I did think that it, that was a really um, 
I thought it was really cute when you said that guy's not always wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I was like, this is a hallmark of a good songwriter right there where they can, you know, kind of pat themselves on the back, <laughs> but not really. Well, it can get, sometimes the songwriting, can, you can kind of get heavy and it kind of, it's, some songs can be, can sort of be light on their feet and sort of lighthearted, but sort of bring a message and I hope to try to do that now and again, and I feel like that was one that worked. It's working out. the The audiences are, are you know, they they get it right off the bat. You can hear them kind of giggling, and then they realize, oh, this is a serious song, but it's really light. Yeah. And there's funny sayings in there, you know. Jesus says to love your neighbor, but you don't have to go that far. <laughs> so they laugh at the appropriate times if they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> what do you hope people's takeaway is from this album? Well, I think that uh, we all need to sort of watch out for one another and respect one another is one thing. And uh, it's also, you know, there's some songs about animals, but they're kind of like, they're posing as humans. They're kind of noticing uh, changes and they're kind of like, uh, it's about trusting each other. Like uh, that one about the bear, he's like kind of mad that, that the world is changing so fast and he's just asking for respect, you know. <clears throat> and uh, that could be a person, that could be uh, any number of people who are, feel like that, you know, they're left to the side and their world has been destroyed or being quickly destroyed or, you know, going away. And the fish one is like, oh, you know, uh, I'm not going to bite on everything you offer me, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, also there's like the little lamb is like, a, you know, when you see a newborn lamb, it's like, oh, isn't that beautiful? And that's like a newborn babies are that way. I always find it reassuring that the world just keep it keeps on going on. And uh, it's, you know, as you get, I'm almost, I'll be 70 next year and that's like, sort of, uh, I'm not gonna have any little kids now, but I like having grandkids. Jen's got <laughs> yeah. four, and I've got sort of one through my son, who's, she's adopted a child, sort of step-granddaughter. And I love, you know, I love being around them, and, you know, it's encouraging that, the, you know, there's a future. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think of the line from What a Wonderful World when he says, I hear babies cry, I watch them grow, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. I always yeah. go back to that when yeah. with little with kids and I've got a six year old who's obsessed with that song, so we listen to it a lot uh, in my house. Yeah. Louis <laughs> Armstrong singing that song is like he it's the end of his career. He's really thanking the world for this wonderful beautiful world that he lives in and yeah, that's just kind of a similar sentiment. Yeah. And that's nice that you bring that up as a compliment, <laughs> supreme one. My six-year-old granddaughter just texted, they texted me this morning and <laughs> she said, she said, well, you know, you, he, Tim wrote a song about the horses and she rides horses and is in a rodeo. <laughs> and she said, and her dad fishes and, and he wrote a song for dad about fishing. Well, he needs to write a song about my mom baking because she likes to bake <laughs> yeah. she, she, she asked if we were going to have a concert at her birthday party next 
couple weeks from now. Next weekend. But she's having a swimming pool party, so we're probably not going to have a concert in the pool. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) I don't think they make waterproof mandolins yet. (laughs) Those kids, the kids that are listening to this like the songs, too. I mean, the bear, the lamb, the fish. I mean, it is, it's kind of for all ages. Okay. That's a, yeah. a good segue there. Um, I was just about to ask what um, you have planned. I know you're coming down here to Fort, or coming down to Fort Smith for um, the season opener at um, ACC Live. And so I was wondering, do you, the two of you, do any costume changes like you did for the Red Knuckles and the Trailblazers? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> But I said I should be Ruby Knuckles. I mean, we change clothes before the show. Check in show, and then usually we leave them on until we go to our yeah. accommodations. Yeah. No, we no. haven't worked any kind of uh, alternative. Uh, we don't. Even, egos. Yeah, we don't even know where Red Knuckles is these days. Okay. Right. Um, so what do you? So what do you have planned for your shows um, that are coming up this year? Well, we're, uh, you know, we, we play the songs from Cup of Sugar and from the last one, which was He Walked On. And, and some of your old stuff. And some hits. of the old stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I usually, you know, I usually play a, a, like Senior from the Red on Blonde. And we do like Brother Wind as a, as a regular set list. More Love. We'd, More Love. and just... We've been adding Nellie <laughs> Kane, just some of the, some of the older Hot Rise kind of it's... hits too. We're, you know, we're kind of adding material from the, from before Jan and I started playing and singing together gradually. So those things kind of show up. But uh, then, his fans, they like to hear some of his old songs. Of then we have some songs that we haven't recorded yet that we're singing. We have a, like a gospel song called, <clears throat> He Said, If You Love Me, Feed My Sheep, which is kind of cool. And then we, you know, we can bring the old timey stuff in. It's like original songs and some kind of bluegrass and old-timey traditional songs as well. Um, we, we've been writing, co-writing Tim and I with Tom Paxton, and we've written about six songs. So we, this afternoon we have an, a Zoom writing appointment with him. But So there's a, a song that we've been doing already that we wrote with him called You Took Me In, and it's... It's, it's uh, I think it's gonna it's fits go good. well. It fits well in the set, you know, it it's, it fills a function. It's like uh it's nice to have something that people can sing along and uh something that's simple and I don't know, inclusive, not too heavy. Then you can do the little something that's a little more serious. Mm-hmm. You know, like on the last record on uh, he walked on there was some kind of there's kind of a heavy one about uh uh, a migrant's called El Comador. You know, so the migrant woman is com- contemplating crossing the border with her infant son. And then there's one about Thomas Jefferson's slave kids, uh, Sally Hemings' kids. One one w- went off and passes white, and she you corresponded with her younger brother, but at some point she had to stop or she would have got caught, you know. So that's kind of a heavy one. So it's nice to have some light things and some funny things like yeah. cup of sugar to go against that. So we're always, yeah. I'm always constantly looking at the song list and try, and, and when we're writing stuff, trying to round out the program. Right. Cause you want to, you know, 
you want to make people tap their foot. You want to make them smile and laugh. You might maybe make them cry. Maybe teach them a little bit about history. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of history. They might learn something. They might sing along. And then, uh, you know, because we're kind of, a, a, a concert's kind of like a, a get-together, a little bit of a, like a party. It's also kind of like a, uh, a church service a little bit. It's like people come through the door. They want to hear the songs. <coughs> they want to listen. They want to know the story behind the You're, songs. And I think that's... They're looking to get on the same page as you. <coughs> and, uh, and so any way you can enable that to happen early on in the show is really good. And you know, pace it so that it's not you know it's not too heavy. It's just light, and you kind of dip in. Tempos vary. It's all keys and tempos and instruments and all that stuff. Kind of uh, little equations. I got you know this folder in front of me with set lists. Like every time, I'm always looking on you know little things like this. I'm just constantly noting a different way. You know how the tempos fit. So you're together. not just playing a bunch of fast ones. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you're doing a bunch of slow ones. And then he also has to think about, like when we're with the band, the capo changes. Like you might do two songs in the same key so the banjo player doesn't have to switch capos. Or... Yeah, banjo. So this, uh, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate but, as a uh, band leader. But then, you know, like we were in, we were, <laughs> we were just played, we played in uh, Prague and then in uh, La Roche, France at the... Uh, festival there. I think it was the 18th through. It was the 18th, 18th annual bluegrass festival. And all the bluegrass fans from all over Europe come and they have bands, uh, performers from United States and Europe and they had a group from uh, India. I mean, it's amazing. And, um, you know, there's a language, a little bit of a language barrier. So you want to give them enough familiar material that they, stuff that they know already. And it's like, Bluegrass, it's a bluegrass thing more than a song, singer-songwriter crowd, <coughs> so it just varies. Okay. But there were people out in the audience singing along to yeah. some of these new songs, so they studied up. <laughs> They've That's been listening. Nice, yeah. It was nice. <laughs> All right, so if um, crowds here want to study up before they come to one of your shows, where can they go? Well, they need to go to timobryan.net, <laughs> and they can... They can uh, check out. I don't, can they listen to audio? They can't. No, but they can order us. They can, they can order. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can. Or they can go to Spotify's or Apple Music and download them from there also. Yeah, but. yeah. you're all cross-streaming then. Okay. Right. Um, all right. And before I um, let you go for the day, um, Tim also read that you are a voracious reader um and that um you like to cook as well so i was just wondering um i was wondering what you're reading now and if you have a book that you would recommend that um incorporates cooking the most recent ones i read a friend of mine uh, tom piazza wrote a book called uh the auburn conference and that was a fun one a little romp and it's uh it's a fictitious thing but it's got real characters it's a he's a writer of course and he goes to these writer conferences where you know book fairs where different writers speak and this thing takes place in uh 1880s or something and they have frederick Douglass, and they have uh harriet beecher stowe mark twain and herman herman melville wow and uh, emily dixon emily dickinson shows up as a as an attendee just to just to witness 
this, and she passes some poems up to Whitman. It's pretty great. It's really funny. And, and uh, just finished Demon Copperhead. Demon Copperhead I'm in the by, middle of that one. Yeah, Demon Copperhead by uh, Barbara, Barbara Kingsolver. King That's really good. That's a sort of novel of Appalachian. It's really about kind of, well, it's about how Appalachia's kind of written off, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, people, they, people get belittled. You have that in Arkansas. People, oh, yeah. You know, they ask, oh, you <laughs> guys wear like... shoes and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this, the the protagonist, he's uh, he's uh, uh, born into drug uh, uh, drug abuse and alcoholic mother and uh, and, and then he's in foster care. It's really yeah. rough, and then op opioid addictions and it's stuff. It's really kind of a sad thing, but it's what's happening in our even I will though say, it's not fiction. It's I will say it has a happy ending, but um, <laughs> any, you can't uh, tell me because I'm not. Then the other one. And the other one, what is it called? It's a history. Uh, the World, A Family History of Humanity. And who's the writer? Only Tim would read that. It's a really big, long, big book. Simon Sebag Montefiore. I don't know. I guess that's right. Anyway, it's all, it's the history of the entire, you know, known history of the world through the, through the stories of the families. Like, I've been writing about Dynasties in India, in um, Iran, you know, Persia, in uh, <coughs> Egypt, and of course we were just in France and we visited Napoleon III's apartments yeah. in the Louvre, <laughs> which is just they left it there and preserved it. And so you know, I'm gonna, I'm getting up to where Napoleon's gonna show up, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> pretty amazing. <laughs> That that book you've been dipping into, yeah. uh, not reading it cover to cover because it's just <laughs> so much. Mm -hmm. But you know, the news broke. That was a good one. When the news broke, uh, by Heather Hendershot. I, I'm starting to use the Kindle more because uh, I don't want to carry a bunch of stuff around. I can imagine. And you, y'all both, uh, you you go camping when you're on the road on tour, right? Yeah, sometimes. Well, yeah, we sometimes. have we have a little teardrop, teardrop camper that we've taken out at mm -hmm. times, but mm -hmm. uh, you, this summer we've <laughs> only been out in it once. So mm -hmm. oh, okay. in the last month or so. Yeah. All right. Can't we couldn't <laughs> drive it overseas? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you both so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate you taking your time and thank you for the book recommendations. I love talking to bookworms. Um, I actually read, read some Tom Piazza in my day. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I think he, he actually spoke at my university when I was in college, but that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's, he's, uh, he's a musician himself. I mean, he, you know, informal, he plays, he plays a lot of banjo and guitar and uh, my friend Dirk Powell, our friend Dirk Powell, great musician, met him at a party, and he was singing all these George Jones songs, and he said, who are you? And he said, well, I'm mostly I'm a writer. And then he ended up putting out this book about Jimmy Martin. I don't know if you read that one. That's I, how I found out about him. I think he there was an excerpt in the Oxford Review, or the Oxford, yeah, the Oxford American. American had yeah. the, uh, they published that thing, and it, it was before the internet, really. Uh, and it went, like, people were Xeroxing that. Yeah. Um, and faxing it around each other because it was such a great right read.
huge. Yeah. And yeah. expanded into a little little book. Yeah, I I didn't know he had a book. I I read that I I read that essay and was like writing down excerpts from it because it was just like yeah. the most amazing music writing yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I'll have to get Paz's new book then. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I have to check that out. Um, well, um, now that I've said um, the Arkansas goodbye, which means you say it twice, <laughs> I'll let you get back to your day. <laughs> Thank you again so much Thanks. for joining me, you guys. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.